AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. We've got the farm bill in full focus on today's AgriTalk. We'll start with a different perspective on the farm bill and hear what specialty crop producers would like to see in the new bill. And it sounds like the Senate has already made significant progress in writing the bill. We'll get an update on the status of the Senate bill. Live from the snow-packed southern outpost via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Mike Joyner, president of the Florida Fruit and Vegetable Association, and Cam Quarles, CEO of the National Potato Council. Then it's a chat with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, and right after the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Yeah, um, the radar says it's snowing. My computer says it's snowing. My weather mm-hmm. app says it's snowing. My eyeballs tell me they're all wrong because when I look outside, I don't see any snow. As a matter of fact, I got a little bit of melting going on out there right now. Is that I, right? We were supposed to get some snow, and it hasn't developed. At least not yet it hasn't. Bro, we got three and a half inches overnight. Yeah, it'll here. be gone tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're headed to the low 40s by the afternoon. So uh, Yeah, yeah. Slushy mess for 48 and then back to... That, that beautiful, you know, Midwest tropical that's right. uh, yep. climate mm-hmm. that you that you are residing in. Yes. We'll be back yeah. in Speedos by tomorrow. Oh, boy. Oh, yep. boy. Strutting Isn't around. That... There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So Mike Joyner, Cam yeah. Quarles mm-hmm. are uh, in leadership positions of two groups that are members of the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. Okay. They've been around for a while, but they've kind of put on a full court press to have an influence on what the farm bill is going, what will be included in the farm bill for specialty crop producers. Uh, we're going to we're gonna spend two segments talking with Mike and Cam about, uh, you know, a little bit of history on the Farm Bill Alliance, the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. And then Mm -hmm. get this. I mean, there's 109 specific recommendations that this alliance has put forward for the Farm Bill. Uh, We're not going to be able to get to all 109, but we will talk about some of the principles that are driving these recommendations and and so on. And and the the ones that are highest, highest on the priority list. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, well, and you know, I I function best in a cheese-rich environment. Um, second yeah. would probably be potatoes. Third would be cabbage. I eat all kinds of cabbage. It's very good for you. Wow. Yeah. See, I'm I'm more of a spinach guy. Uh huh. Oh I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm very much a fan of spinach. Me, I don't, it doesn't really matter how you cook it. I'm I'm there for it. Same. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get to it. Well, Chip, USDA released the February WASDE report yesterday. This month's U.S. corn outlook is for lower corn used for ethanol and larger ending stocks. Season average corn price unchanged, six seventy per bushel. The soybean outlook projects lower soybean crush, higher ending stocks. 
Soybean average uh, price for 2023, a forecast at 14.30 per bushel. That's up 10 cents from last month. The S&Ds for wheat largely unchanged. Minor revisions to domestic use and ending stocks. Season average farm price forecast 10 cents per bushel lower at nine bucks. Chip, we weren't expecting fireworks in February, and uh, USDA delivered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we, and we did a had a, a great conversation about the the report and some of the changes in there and what it might mean for prices going forward yesterday afternoon with Matt Campbell from Stone X Group. We'll chip a new report from USDA's Economic Research Service suggests ethanol demand would decline with the rise of electric vehicles. The agency says U.S. ethanol-based demand for corn has plateaued over the last decade at about 5 billion bushels. That's roughly 40% of U.S. corn production. Increased adoption of hybrid or electric vehicles and continued fuel efficiency gains will decrease domestic gasoline consumption, which could decrease domestic fuel ethanol demand. Chip, fuel efficiency gains, even if we stay on petroleum, would probably cut into ethanol fuel demand, yeah? Well, unless those efficiency gains come with higher blends of ethanol. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that next generation of, uh, of the engines out in, into uh, the vehicles, that's exactly what should happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the updated 2023 calendar year runoff forecast for the Missouri River Basin above Sioux City, Iowa, remains below average. Precipitation in January was below normal for most of the upper basin, except for southern South Dakota, which did see above normal precip. The 2023 calendar year runoff forecast above Sioux City 21.1 million acre feet. Chip, that's only 82% yeah. of average. Yeah, everybody is wondering what the melt is going to bring for the Missouri and for the Mississippi River this spring. Hold on to your hats for this one. The bombing of the Nord Stream underwater gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea was a covert operation ordered by the White House and carried out by the CIA. Huh? This according to a report by Seymour Hersh. He claims U.S. Deep sea divers using a NATO military exercise as cover planted mines along the pipelines that were later detonated remotely. The report says the black op was ordered by President Joe Biden and that the attack was carried out by the CIA in cooperation with Norway. The White House denies the claim. Yeah, the White House says utterly false. Mm -hmm. Prices of used cars jumped in January from December, climbing 2.5% over the month, according to data provider Mannheim. That's the second consecutive monthly increase and could be a sign for next week's consumer price index for January. And finally, retail prices for chicken wings have been trending lower just in time for the Super Bowl and college basketball championship tournaments. Chip. All right. Yeah, I'm glad to see that uh, uh, because they had gotten, well, they're still kind of pricey. We're Mm -hmm. not seeing the retail price come back all that much yet, but it should. It should trickle down eventually. All right. Thanks, buddy. Let's bring yeah. in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. We have the snow in Kansas City you yeah. have not seen yet. Yep. And I just got a text from Ken McCauley, who's on the Farmer Forum, um, former president of NCGA. Says, good morning, Chip. Northeast Kansas got your share of really beautiful, nice, wet snow. This is going to help our moisture situation. I Absolutely. Mean, anything we can do, right? Yep. Absolutely. We'll take it. Yep. Okay. There's a real buzz in the cash cattle market right now, Greg. What's going on? Well, absolutely. There is a buzz and, and it, you know, we're thinking we're set to move higher and 
prices have been pretty good already this year. Looks like they're going to break out here. That's on tight supplies and chip. They're talking about, uh, you know, beating that record that we had in 2014, all of which could come into play. The question is, do you have anything to sell? Do you have anything that you can grow this year? And the drought has really reduced that cow number and decline in the beef cows was larger than expected. We're not going to be able to start rebuilding a herd until 25, maybe even 2026. Yeah. But that's because of the haystocks, you know, the forage condition. Haystocks are the lowest they've been in 20 years, at least. And, you know, we can't even replace the percentage of the cows that we've called let alone expand the herdship. So yeah. it, it's going to be a really uh, a struggle moving forward, much different than the drought we saw 10 years ago. Right. The timeline on this event in the cattle herd and, and weather-wise, it, it feels like it's – you're exactly right. It feels like the event timeline is longer than what it was the last time around. Absolutely. Yep, yep. All right, Greg, something that we're going to continue to go to www.drovers.com to stay up on. Greg's got lots of good coverage out there. Stop by there and, and take a look at it. Thanks, buddy. Okay, Thanks, coming Chip. up next, yeah, we are going to talk about the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. What are they looking for in the 2022 Farm Bill? To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this morning. Davis, I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, the House and the Senate are going to be working on a new farm bill in 2023. You know, I feel like I heard something about that. Have you? I've heard rumors, yeah. Yeah. Talk. Yeah, been a lot of talk about it here on Agritalk, but you know what? more information. We should, and one area that we haven't spent much time on are the specialty crop growers we're going to fix that right now uh, there is a specialty crop farm bill alliance and we've got two of the three co-chairs with us right now let's start with mike joiner president of the florida fruit and vegetable association mike welcome good morning thank you for having me i look forward to spending some time with you this morning Absolutely. We're going to spend plenty of time, uh, two two segments with you here today. And Cam Quarles, CEO of the National Potato Council. Cam, welcome. Chip Davis, thank you very much. Glad to, glad to be here. Excited to talk with you. All right. All right. 
And the third co-chair is Dave, uh, I think I've got his last name right, Dave Puglia. Is that right, guys? Puglia. Puglia. Okay. Dave Puglia, uh, president of the C- and CEO of the Western Growers. He unfortunately could not be with us, but Mike and Cam have got a long history with the Alliance, and we're going to learn about that right now. And, and, Mike, it is a long history. It's not like the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance is, is brand new for the 23 uh, debate. No, not at all. You're, you're correct. No, this, um, back in the, uh, in the early 2000s, Cam's uh, predecessor and and Dave's predecessor and mine, and I do know Cam was in the room when it happened, but they, they got together and, uh, and, and decided that we were better working together shoulder to shoulder than we were nose to nose. So they uh, uh, got together in DC and, and, and spent some time together and said, look, let's, let's put this group together. And um, it was an incredible meeting. It was an incredible idea. Uh, it quickly got legs. And, and I look back and think back of the, the great policy, ag policy that's come out of this special farm bill alliance. And I'm just, I am grateful for those who came before me and, and again said, let's work shoulder to shoulder and, and not nose to nose. But again, I know Cam was in that first meeting. So Cam can probably cool. shed a little in inside inside baseball on this one for us. Yeah, I'd love to hear it, Cam. What is what what are some of the origins of the uh of the alliance? Yeah, Chip, it, it was so you know in US specialty crops, the fruit and vegetable industry, you have over two hundred different, different commodities that are that are all They're under all that under umbrella. That umbrella okay the having that uh, all of those hey, diverse hold, voices, hold, hold on voices. hold on a second hold, hold, on, uh, hold on a second we are getting some serious feedback we here we might have to just go we might have we might have to get you guys separated get you guys separated okay let me uh, okay yeah i can put you on mute and see if it makes a difference that i think that probably will let's try let's try that if we can uh Cam, let, let's get back to some of those origins of when the alliance started. Yeah, sure. So you've got over 200 different commodities are under the specialty crop umbrella. And what that creates is a lot of different priorities that Congress just couldn't really do anything with. And so the result of that chip was, even though the fruit and vegetable industry in the U.S. is about half of all farm gate value, we really okay. didn't participate in the farm bill until we got organized. Once we finally did, as Mike said, back in the early 2000s, we focused in, in particular areas uh, and have created some programs that now today are serving uh, tremendous purposes for all of this incredibly diverse industry. Uh, we've been one of the fastest growing segments of the Farm Bill. Uh, that being said, we're still kind of a tiny bit player in the overall in this in this huge endeavor. Yeah. But getting focused, getting organized, it made all the difference in the world. Well, it, you've certainly got the attention of Senate uh, Chairwoman Stabenow, and in, in because every time she talks about the farm bill, specialty crops are going to come up, right? Yeah, that's that's true. I think she's uh, we're we're a big priority for her. And, you know, there's a lot of folks across, uh, you know, when we first kind of 
uh, got organized and, and pushed our way into the farm bill debate, you know, you had a lot of some of the traditional folks were a little skeptical about our presence there. We were uh, we, we were kind of the uh, the uh, it, the the poor relation or whatever who was showing up to the family reunion. Um, yeah. but over time, I think people have realized that actually we're a net positive. A lot of the, the crops that uh, are under specialty crops, Mike can speak to this. Consumers, suburban, urban consumers, they're the ones that they're having a direct relationship with the fruit and vegetable industry every day. Um, yeah. Where you know some of the other commodities, um, they, they're just they're not they're not necessarily front and center on people's minds. And I, I think it's created a lot of political energy. Uh, it, it's brought new voices to the table that have helped the farm bill along. Interesting. So the, the responding to some of the consumer demands is is some of the effort that you're putting into this. Mike, how many organizations are involved? There are uh, there are over 200 organizations that are part of this special crop farm bill alliance. There's a wow. uh, as you mentioned wow. earlier, Dave and and Cam and I happen to be co-chairs. There's a steering committee. It's made up of probably 10 or 12 folks from all over the country. And then we work very closely with, again, with the, the rest of those uh, over 200 organizations to make sure these Mike, policies that come out Mike, of this are, are helpful. Mike, it seems incredible Mike, to me that there are that many that organizations that many in this alliance that you can get together in agreement on, on priorities. How did you do that? Uh, can you come back off mute? You're you're absolutely right. It uh, it, it was not easy. We yeah. started meeting over a year ago, and uh, and, and we we had uh, subcommittees and committees that met. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours have gone into these recommendations, and quite honestly, there there were times where um, where we we needed to just. Uh, let an issue cook a little longer and, yeah. and spend some time yeah. working through it. So, yeah, you're you're reading it right. But, you know, the, the bottom line is it was worth it. I think all of us can look back to things that the coalition have accomplished in the past and said, you know what, this is worth fighting for. So that's that's uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's been over a year that this group has gotten together. Right. And Mike, what are the common right. principles that kind of link all these organizations together? Well, I, I will tell you that that was the first thing we did is we we got together and said what are what are some some uh, some statement of principles or guiding principles and and they include uh, healthy Americans, competitiveness and sustainability, uh, uh, trade and foreign competition was an area that we've we've uh, made some recommendations in research and innovation, very important especially to us in Florida. And then, and then um, natural resources and climate. So those areas that I've just highlighted are kind of bigger picture areas that the first thing we did is said, look, let's make sure we're all on the same sheet of music. And that probably took a month or so. And then, and then again, we've said, okay, here are these guiding principles. Now let's come up with some recommendations. Gotcha. 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 Cam, gotcha. Cam one of the guiding principles that I'm seeing on here is um, expanding access and availability to safe, wholesome, healthy, and affordable foods. Davis and I were kind of joking about it to begin with, but the, the getting 
getting produce, getting fruits in front of more consumers is only going to 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 help the country's health efforts, isn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think you see this across a number of different initiatives, Farm Bill, uh, Dietary Guidelines for Americans, uh, School Meals Reform, is how to, uh, how, how to get healthier options in front of consumers in a cost-effective way. Uh, and the, that uh, you know, you've got this whole concept of food as medicine, uh, all of those kind of things are kind of music to our ears in the specialty crop world. Um, the, the, you've got a tremendous number of healthy choices fall under our umbrella. So uh, that's kind of a natural, uh, that's a natural for us. And we're very excited by those initiatives. Yeah. I find it interesting that you're including flowers and plants in this because of some of, some of the, the, the mental well-being of the country as well right well right and i i would also say you know that the the horticultural sector uh again it's another under the specialty crop banner uh when you think about the breadth of the 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 ornamentals the flower florists landscapers all that a tremendous amount of political energy in the u.s Okay, very good. Hey, we're talking with reps from the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. We'll get to the priorities next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, there's some some strength in the soybean meal market, but other than that, it's, it's kind of a defensive day in the grains, isn't it? Absolutely, Chip. Uh, you know, the crude oil market's down more than a dollar here at uh, mid-morning, and, and that's having an influence not only on soy oil, but the rest of the, uh, the uh, grain and soy complex, aside from meal, like you mentioned. So quite a bit of spreading activity going on in the meal and oil. Uh, they unwound some of those uh, long meal oils, uh, short oil spreads earlier in the week that uh, they're putting them back on today in, in a big way. So uh, those markets are, are diverging. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't quite gotten up to that $500 level in the March meal, but we are uh, trading high range at mid-morning. What about the corn market? Anything in particular happening there? Well, uh, weekly sales were really strong uh, at 1.16 million tons, but uh, that's not having an influence on uh, on the trade this morning. So, um, you know, bullish uh, export news, but uh, negative reaction to it. Two weeks in a row on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the corn exports, uh, export sales start to pick up here and uh, yep. in, in a big time way, like you mentioned. Yep. Yep. Okay. Take us over to the livestock trade. Got some strength in the cattle complex. Yeah. So the weakness in corn is influencing the feeder cattle. Uh, mild gains there. Uh, moderate in, in some of the contracts, some of the deferred contracts, I guess. But uh, uh, cash cattle, uh, still waiting on that to develop, but expected to be higher. And, and that's uh, supporting live cattle futures. Hog futures, on the other hand, they're going yeah. uh, the other direction in a big way, especially the deferred contract. So uh, the extreme volatility that we're seeing around the recent lows uh, continues in the hog market. Yeah, volatility for sure. Thank you, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. We are learning about the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance and some of the proposals, specific proposals, recommendations that they have put in place for the 2023 Farm Bill uh, we've talked a bit about extan- expanding accessibility uh, already, and we've got Mike Joyner, president of the Florida Fruit and Vegetable Association, Cam Quarles, CEO of the National Potato Council. Let, let's jump into some of the other specifics and, and recommendations. One thing that I found interesting here, Cam, is that you are looking for a proportion- proportional share of farm bill resources and mandatory spending elaborate on that a bit well that's yeah that that would be the ideal um chip a little bit of what i was mentioning before is even though specialty crops are about half of u.s farm gate value we're really a very small we're kind of a rounding error in the grand scheme of the farm bill yeah we would like farm bill policies to be more reflective of the very significant position that we occupy uh, within American agriculture. Um, it, it, that, that doesn't mean that we have to stand up uh, one of the traditional kind of program crop activities like, like you had in, in years past, but in some of the priority areas that you know, Mike has been mentioning, research, uh, pest and disease exclusion, uh, our relationship to the nutrition programs, you can make investments there, which make the fruit and vegetable industry uh, a more proportional beneficiary of these really important farm bill resources. Yeah, boy, the the uh, investment into research and, and innovation is something that we're hearing from every um, sector of of um, commodity agriculture. I, I guess I would say as well. So something to keep in mind there. Um, it, let, let's hop back over to Mike here for a second. What about on the the crop insurance? Is are there any specific recommendations from the from your alliance uh, regarding crop insurance and in, in specialty crops? Yeah, there there certainly are, and and I tell you that that is such a critical issue. Um, unfortunately, uh, oftentimes in specialty crops, uh, there number one, there's not a an insurance program that covers the crop. And secondly, if there is, it, it just doesn't seem to work. You know this, but the issue with specialty crops is they're just the, the pre-harvest costs are extremely expensive. Yeah. If you're growing 
tomatoes, you've got $14,000 an acre in them before you even harvest them. If you're harvesting, uh, harvesting strawberries, it's 23000 So there are some recommendations in here that would really hopefully make a difference, allow our growers to have more options for insurance. And, uh, and for those programs where we do have the option, it would improve these programs. We, we'd love to be able to purchase insurance, but oftentimes it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, there are some, some recommendations in here that would uh, address some of these concerns. Okay. Uh, Cam, what about in Title I, the commodity title, where the safety net resides? Are, are there any specific recommendations for Title I? We're really, you know, Title One has that. That has kind of been the the bastion, honestly, of of our our program crop colleagues. We specialty crops really haven't played in that in that title. Um, we we certainly as as uh, crop insurance, uh, as Mike was saying, crop insurance uh, becomes more valuable for specialty crop producers. That's the that's the safety net area that I think. Uh, the specialty crop industry is going to explore um, Title One. We we have always kind of floated outside of those more more uh, specific yeah. uh, 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 commodity support programs. Okay, and no, there, is there an effort to be included in some of that? It, it would be so. The reason that I'm asking this, Cam, is because it feels like it would be an exceptionally complex uh, uh, effort to to improve a safety net through the farm bill for for the specialty crop growers out there the the idea of standing up a traditional title one program yeah. chip is that 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 is that is, that is a place that the the fruit and vegetable industry has never wanted to go go to okay. we really want to take our our signals from the market from the consumer that's always been kind of the mantra of our our industry, and we're 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 holding holding to that notion. Okay, so Mike, does that mean that you're putting more effort into some of the trade promotion uh, recommendations? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. uh, that has been a program that has been uh, has been beneficial, but just feel like it has not been funded as much as it should have been. Kind of goes back to that point of. Uh, just really don't feel like maybe we've gotten, I don't know if it's fair to say our fair share, but we, we just think that um, the return on investment on that money has been good. And if we can get a little bit more money in that program, we think we can, we think we can uh, move even more fruits and vegetables. Okay. Very good. Hey, Cam, 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 yeah, go I, ahead. Can I mention one thing on, on uh, trade promotion, a yeah. program that was stood up, by the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance a couple of farm bills ago. Uh, we, for the potato industry, we used it. Uh, it's just for specialty crops. We used it so effectively that we actually won a unanimous decision by the Mexican Supreme Court, if you can believe it, wow. that has allowed U.S. fresh potatoes just in the last year for the first time ever to be sold all across Mexico. So it's one of these... And I know that's parochial. That's my own selfish little area. But it was one of these programs that didn't exist before the the alliance got its act together, and we're thrilled by the results for our industry. Fantastic. All right, uh, Cam. I'm going to stick with you here for just a, a moment. Um, it it's a it's a big list of recommendations 
have we hit the most important recommendations or what else do you want to highlight? Uh, you know, what, one of the one I, I think the big one, and and uh, I I know Michael echo this one too, but the one that we we've, we've spent a lot of time on, Chip, in our world is pest and disease exclusion. Okay. Um, getting more resources. The first the first goal is to keep destructive pests and diseases out of the United States. Uh, the second thing is what you do with them when they when they unfortunately enter your production areas. Uh, it can be incredibly costly to eradicate them. We want USDA to have a really efficient uh, a group of resources that can that can hopefully do both things with a priority on the former is keeping these these uh, destructive pests and diseases out of our country. Yeah, yeah. And, Mike, and I would just I would just yeah I would just echo that. I, I spent uh, eight years with the Florida Department of Agriculture's chief of staff and. You know, we 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 estimate between twelve and fifteen new pests and, and uh, come through our ports every year. Oh. You know, I've worked on many, many, many um, uh, a project where we were trying to, to to beat back a pest and disease. And I would just echo what Cam's saying. This one's critical, as are the the research dollars. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Mike. It, you know, Florida fruits and vegetables. I'm sure that there are some recommendations in here for the nutrition title of the farm bill as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly trying to get more uh, more fruits and vegetables into the schools. I know Cam mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And um, uh, so, yes, yeah, yeah, that, uh, um, th- that along with a, a number of other provisions, yes. Okay. Cam, when, when you know, let's take it to the bottom line. Uh, which... Which of these proposals that we that we've talked about has the the greatest impact on specialty crop growers bottom line? Well, you're asking me to to choose uh, which, which of my which of my children are most uh, most handsome or uh, have the most potential in life. And, I, you know, I'm a uh, chip. I, I, I work in Washington, D.C., so, you know, I'm not going to take that bait. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I'll just go back to what Mike said. This was a year-long process, over a year-long process, to get to these recommendations, and it just shows the thoroughness of how this industry has approached the farm bill. We really think that if if Congress implements these recommendations, it is going to make this industry competitive, not just for the five-year life of the farm bill, but for uh, years into the future. So. Uh, we, we we think these are very reasonable, solid recommendations and really contribute to the U.S., uh, not not just to our industry, but to consumers and the entire U.S. economy. All right. All right. So uh, a letter has been sent to the uh, to the chairs of both the Senate and the House Aid Committee and to the ranking members. Mike, have you gotten a response uh, or are they do they do they recognize the importance uh, yes, absolutely. They do recognize the importance. Uh, I've received a number of phone calls, follow-up type phone calls from Florida uh, delegation members. And then Cam and Dave and I are going to spend a few days in Washington, uh, not next week, but the, the following week. And we're going to follow up on those that we sent the letters to. So we'll begin this conversation. And uh, But the, the, the feedback we've gotten, or I've gotten, and Cam, I'm sure you too, has been very positive. I think there's a recognition of all that went into this 100 plus recommendations, you know, we didn't get greedy at all. And I think that's recognized 
that these are fair, um, fair request. And so, yeah, the, the, the conversations and the, and the advocacy has begun, but it'll really begin in a couple of weeks. All right. Excellent guys. Uh, real quick, uh, Mike, where can, where can we go to learn more about the specialty crop farm bill Alliance? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, Cam, I'm not sure. Is it? Do we have a website, Cam? I should know that. Uh, we do. It's uh, it's uh, scfba.org, and that will uh, th- that that will inform you on all the things Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. Excellent, guys. Good luck to you. Let's stay in contact as the uh, as the farm bill is negotiated. That's Mike Joiner, Florida Fruit and Vegetable Association, and Cam Quarles, National Potato Council. Senator Ernst, next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Willowwood Glypho 6, as low as $28.97 a gallon tote price when you pay cash and build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at fbn.com slash direct. Ends February 28. Prices subject to change. TNC apply. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this morning. Joining us right now is Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. Senator, welcome back to AgriTalk. Oh, it's great to be with you, Chip. Thank you. All right. I want to go back just a little bit more than a week. There was a farm bill hearing on trade and horticulture. How did it go? Do you feel like trade is going to get enough attention or the the attention that it deserves in the farm bill? Well, I am excited that we do have Alexis Taylor now working at the USDA, and she is very, very engaged in trade. And so I feel very good that she will continue to press the issue with the administration. Uh, She is originally from Iowa, and she knows quite well that the continued success and growth of Iowa and American agriculture is dependent upon strong trade conditions all around the globe. And so I am excited about her opportunity. I just hope the rest of the administration listens. Very good. Very good. The word is, is that Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Stabenow has already made significant progress in writing the Senate version of the Farm Bill. What is the status? How much work has been done? 
a lot of work has actually gone into it so far. We've been working on this since late last year, and uh, I know all of the members, just like I do, were out and about engaging with our constituencies, the stakeholders. I've done a number of roundtables uh, dealing with the different titles of the conservation bill uh, while I'm out and about doing the 99-county tour in yep. Iowa. So I am hearing directly from those folks. And so as we are gaining that information, we're compiling all of that, working with the committee staffs and our own personal staffs, and we're getting that bill written. So uh, it's, it's typically a bipartisan bill. We hope we get it across the finish line this year. Excellent. Yes, I think, I think most farmers would agree with you on that. You are in support, I've got to believe, you're in support of year-round availability of E15 in those eight states that have requested it and across the nation. What is the status of that? Yes, and of course, I am leading a bipartisan bicameral letter to the administration demanding that they remove the barriers for those gasoline ethanol blends like E15. This is following what Governor Reynolds had done last April. And so while we don't have status on it yet, the EPA is past due for action on the E15. Uh, so we'll continue demanding that they act now ahead of the summer driving season. But again, we're still waiting on the administration to act. Yeah. And there's, I I don't think there's any legal reason for them to be holding up the process. Is there? No, there is no legal reason. And for us to rely on an annual emergency waiver, it's not a permanent solution for our fuel retailers. And so we've got to get going on this. And again, we'll continue pushing the Biden EPA. Uh, Again, I'm leading a bipartisan bicameral letter to the Biden administration. Okay. Before we get to your trip to Mexico, uh, I want to talk about the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Subcommittee, you're the ranking member there. You seem very enthusiastic about your role there. Why? Yes, this is so important to Iowans because over 98% of Iowa's economy is based on small business. That's our farmers, our ranchers, our small businesses all across the rural areas. So this is a great opportunity to represent Iowa. I am going to be the ranking member this year on the U.S. Small Business Committee. We have a lot of work to do, and I'm really excited about bringing that voice of rural America to the forefront of this committee. Okay. Your trip to the Mexican border in Southern California, what did you learn Yes, this is a a tricky one because we see all the fentanyl that's coming into the United States. We see the mass migration into the United States through these open borders. Um, We have the issue of GMO corn being banned from Mexico, you know, the proposed ban by President AMLO of Mexico. And so we had a lot of work to do. Marionette Miller-Meeks and Randy Feenstra, both members of our Iowa delegation, went with me into Mexico to speak with officials there about all of these issues and how we can work together to resolve the issues. You know, we didn't want just a photo up at the border. We wanted to go find those solutions, have those real discussions with key leaders and work our way through this. We've got to have discussion if we ever expect to get anything done. Yeah. You know, one thing that I've been impressed 
by from the reports that I've seen and the comments from you, Miller Meeks, and, and Feenstra, is you're staying focused on fentanyl on this trip. It, it's not like you're letting the the focus get too wide. You're staying very focused. That's got to be by design. Yes, it was absolutely by design. We have seen hundreds of Iowans that have perished because of fentanyl overdoses right in our home communities in Iowa. And so we really do have to address this situation and find solutions. Otherwise, that fentanyl pouring in from Mexico is going to continue to kill our youth and poison our rural communities. Okay, we've got a little over a minute left. What did you learn in Mexico City? Well, again, visiting with officials there, we were able to visit with the foreign minister and, again, focused on fentanyl and the mass migration. But we also had the great opportunity to visit with that foreign minister about the GMO corn ban. And so, you know, we've been sounding the alarm here with the administration, but we really needed to take that to the foreign minister in Mexico and encourage him to approve our corn, GMO corn, going yep. into Mexico. Good, good. Uh, we, we need to continue to push that as well. Give me 30 seconds on your reaction to the State of the Union address. Well, I was very disappointed. I thought it was much more of a political speech than actual solutions for Americans. He didn't address bringing inflation down. He didn't talk about the open southern border nor the the real need to solve the fentanyl crisis. Um, And there are so many issues that he really should have touched upon that are important to Iowans, and he didn't do it. Okay. Well, Senator, it certainly sounds like you've got your eyes on the issues that matter the most, not only to Iowans, but to uh, Americans. So keep it up, and we will talk with you again soon. Thank you very much. Sounds great. Thanks, Chip. All right. That is uh, that is Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. Come back this afternoon. We've got Andy Wald.